Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction, the 631 Science Faction. Shove those colonoscopies up your ass. And a newly discovered earthquake warning. That's right. Shove those colonoscopies up your ass. Which brings me to thank you for all the people tuning in to our OnlyFans live recording. I will be inserting in <laughs> things into myself throughout the entirety of this recording. Uh, so to my audio fans, to our audio only fans, the people who aren't willing to pay for the premium science education and sexual arousal package, mm-hmm. um, you will hear me in discomfort or perhaps in a form of like a Xenobite a Hellraiser ecstasy. Yes. You will hear that in the background from time to time throughout the episode. Don't let that distract you. Let that motivate you to kick it up to the OnlyFans level. <laughs> That sexual package was also one of uh, Dodge's uh, short-lived offerings. You could get the Hellcat with the sexual package. <laughs> the robot-powered frost sex worker. Like it was. <laughs> like the gasoline-powered sex worker. Uh, but yeah, yeah, go ahead and join our OnlyFans. Uh, continuing on the Hellraiser uh, reference, we have such wonderful things to show you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, so dear. And, I deserve this. And speaking of such wonderful things to show you, I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist, Robert Timothy. And with me, as always, is the man with all the pins in his head, none other than Mr. Damien Mercado. Damien, how you doing after you've gotten all the pins in and now out of your head? Those pins were there to uh, to make the best of a t- traumatic brain injury that I've had. They were literally the only thing keeping my skull together. And now they're gone, and I'm... I thought it was the result of, like, the world's cheapest facelift, where they're like, we'll just, we'll sew it on eventually, but for now, these will keep it in. <laughs> yeah, Cl- a young Clive Barker went to a uh, shitty... Uh, plastic surgeon and got the uh, idea for Hellraiser. <laughs> Damien, you got back obviously from a surgery where uh, a doctor decided to take on what what I imagine when you walked in the office is it was Moby Dick and, and the whaler. Like you, when he saw your nose walk in, he's like, I've trained my whole life for this. This is my Olympics. That or it was like, there's no challenge. Like I'm, I'm used to working on like small, mm. uh, delicate canvases. I I'm see. used to doing Fabergé eggs, and now yes. you want me to do the Sistine Chapel? Yeah. This is too much. Okay, I, I have, my craft is is these guys aren't paying more. His insurance isn't paying more for this nose. If anything, I care less. Now I imagine, just in my mind, the way they did this because I you you, you commented that they had to like drill out your nose. So in my mind, the guy is using. Like a DeWalt. There was no drill. I corrected you last time. There was no drill. It is. They are not just boring a hole. Yeah, that's what I imagine. I imagine he's got like a DeWalt rock hammer masonry drill. And and he's he's got like the big concrete block bit on the end of it. The one that costs like $12 by itself. And like he's he's just going to. Yeah, I think the reason I took so long to recover is because he was using the wood bit. Yeah, not the masonry bit, and so like yeah, you know, it was hard to get the uh, screws to stay. Yeah, you're just gonna run through bits that way. I mean, that stuff's just gonna wear out real fast. (laughs) Uh, No, there was no drilling. What they did is I had a deviated septum. Part of the uh, cartilage, the cartilage in my nose has always gone to the left. Uh, 
I would, my car lift was always hanging to the left mm. and it uh, blocked my ability to breathe out of my nose. So I've always had this really big decorative nose. It was, I'd love to say that I was like the caricature of like a, of like, like a perfume factory. I like the idea of a decorative nose. Like it was the spoiler on a civic, you know, like, you know, those big ostentatious spoilers and you look at it and you're like, wait a second, that's a front wheel drive car. <laughs> this is more like a blown engine. This is like an Edelbrock uh, piece. Well, no, but those are lid. useful. That's the whole point. It's like the giant wing doesn't work on a Honda with front wheel drive. This is a plastic for show only. Uh, this is, this is, this is like a Honda getting a, a special novelty hood. <laughs> All right. Well, anyhow, so I had this big nose and, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a fun life. It's been fun because, um, like Bobby, you grew up fat, yes. and I actually bullied you into yes. that. Uh, and and very and and look at you, you're not fat yep. anymore, and that's because of me. I literally take all the credit. Yes. Where's my PSA about bullying, NBC? Now you know. I'm the one who bullied you into getting this <laughs> nose surgery, so you're welcome very much too. No, I stood up to you. I didn't get rhinoplasty. In fact, they they were. I, I even inquired like, uh, will the this change the appearance? You. Like the and the doctor was like, they snapped at me like I was trying to get free, like, hey, you know, like, I'd like to finagle a little free rhinoplasty, you know. I like the idea that the doctor is offended that you would be walking out his door looking the same way. Like, sir, sir, like, what are you, a Jehovah's Witness? What are you going to, you're going to live right <laughs> Uh, by the way, uh, a, a big part of me had to had to realize I just wasn't committed enough to the bit uh, to show up to this episode of Science Faction. Like, hello, Science Faction. Oh, my God. Do I sound like Alec Baldwin now? Or That's you could crazy. have spent the last few weeks do, finding a way to do a perfect Terry Crews impression. <laughs> <laughs> you said that, but, like, there's no way I could do that this not being a racist-ass podcast. Because <laughs> his characters are loud and animated and talk about working out a lot. <laughs> Oh, dear. Well, welcome back, Damien. Welcome back to the land of the living. You got your nose cleared out. You now sound like a very bitchy little Terry Crews. And uh, you're back here to learn some science. (laughs) Oh, dear. Let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is Science Articles. All right, guys, I was so excited to be coming back and doing this again. I miss doing just our weekly science articles. I miss the normal show. So I'm so excited to bring this back. And this was a great story. That's because you hate your family, though. Like, like you don't enjoy spending time with your wife and kids. And so this is your work shed, quote unquote. (laughs) This is like my man cave. It's just me and a microphone. I'm, I'm yelling about science discoveries. Your son wants to go as a podcast for Halloween just so his dad would pay attention to him. I'm not falling for that trick again, kiddo. No way. <laughs> your your son used his allowance to become a Patreon just to get some time <laughs> with you, Bobby. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. Funny because it's true. All right. Article number one. Yeah, but at his allowance, he can only sign up at the $5 level. He's not buying a lot of time that way. Article number one. Why some colonoscopies should come to an end. Why, I mean, like, the colonoscopy I'm having in my discomfort should come to an end. Literally, if we're looking at a pie chart, it's not, it's one circle yes. of the colonoscopies that I have, theoretically, because I've yet to, I'm not 40 yet. By the way, I don't know if you got it, there was a subtle pun in there. I'm sorry, Bobby, I, I'm autistic, I take the world very literally, wordplay escapes me. So let's talk about, Damien, what do you know about colonoscopies? They shove a camera up your butt. 
Yes. Um, but by the way, something that is happening to me on the OnlyFans feed right now to our only audio <laughs> listeners right now, uh, it is actually a DSLR. Uh, it is. I think it's a Nokia. Uh, it's not technically what the. That uh, is a large <laughs> camera. I, well, I mean, uh, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, Bobby. I didn't get to this overnight. No, it was not. No, I mean, don't they, I mean, colonoscopy, they stick a camera into your rectum and yeah. then they look for abnormalities. They look for, yeah. for anything that might be dangerous. Yes, not only do they look for it, but usually in colonoscopies, they actually have like little pinchers. So if they see polyps, they can go up and like snip it off and cauterize it and like take samples and snip them off and stuff. Yeah, see, for people to do that for me, they have to unhand because like they're in there like it, like they're spelunking. Yes. And so uh, they actually have to unhand, they actually have to hold the DSLR with one hand and then remove the uh, pruning shears from their bo- from their from their pockets. Also, I imagine they're wearing like uh, spikes like they're climbing telephone poles. Yes. Yeah, don't even <laughs> don't even get started about what happens when they run into short round up there. He's just he's on his own adventure. <laughs> I'll have you know that he was in a movie recently. Yeah, who would have thought the actor who played Short Round, a man who went on to fuel Asian stereotypes for whatever. And he got out of acting because he felt like discriminated against cuz he clearly was. <laughs> Uh, he uh, he got back into it because of uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, which I haven't seen yet, but I've heard good things. Yeah, I imagine at some point in 1983, he's sitting around on a sound set, uh, a sound stage in uh, in Hollywood, and he's yelling, "Pinchers of power!" And there's some director going, "More Asian!" Doctor <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jones, I'm telling you, know, up until like very recently, no, up for a good portion of our time on this earth, Bobby. It was acceptable to when after an Asian character was introduced on screen to have a gong sound effect. That's true, but that's only if they weren't too busy bowing. Yeah, what would the American sound effect like? If this, if this, if we're watching a Chinese or Japanese sitcom and the obviously American character walks in, what sound effect is behind them? A gunshot? No, the sound of a chip bag opening. <laughs> 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 he look, he's having non-weird flavored ruffles. That's right. I'm, co- I'm coming at you, Asia, and your weird flavored ruffles. And England. England, I think, is the worst one of there. Anyway, so, David, you're pretty right. Have you ever heard of a procedure called a sigmoidoscopy? No, okay. I have not. I, I, uh, it took too long to set up a Sigma male joke. So, <laughs> like, it's, no, I haven't. Fair enough. So, Uh, Let's talk about colonoscopies, and let's talk about this very interesting paper. It's quite controversial. Now some scientists are coming out against it. It's back back and forth. That indicates that we might not want to be actually prescribing nearly as many colonoscopies as we currently are. Maybe none. So anyway, what are colonoscopies? Colonoscopies are an examination of the lower intestine through, basically, up through the rectum, up through the anus, up into the, the whole thing, you go not just the left side of the colon, which is a sigmoidoscopy, we'll look at just the left side. It actually goes much deeper up into the body, which is why it's a much more invasive process. Sometimes you actually have to have general anesthesia, but there is some form of anesthesia usually to it. Sometimes it's twilight or, or, or something like that, but it's a... I mean, it sounds hellish. I've never had a camera jammed up into my um, jejunum. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds... Horrifying, yes. Yeah, and as somebody who's had one jammed way up their urethra a few times, I could guess. Ah, Yeah. And and so, yes, it's a a very invasive procedure. It has been prescribed for men who are over 40. Damien, you and I are getting there. It's prescribed for men over 40 to get some semi-regular colonoscopies, depending on certain risk factors and stuff like that. It has been kind of considered good medical wisdom for men to go get these because they can detect and prevent certain types of cancer down there. 
Question. As we're discovering more about the quantum state and with Ant-Man quantum mania coming up in just a year, is it possible that, uh, now I haven't heard anything about this article. I've said, see, IFL science have the title, but I did not click. Is it possible that by sticking the, there was uncertainty about the uh, colon cancer, but once I stick a camera up there, I have made it certain. I have the secreted, I have willed it into existence. And so that we are seeing an arising colon cancer simply because it's being observed. It was in a quantum state before. It's Schrodinger's polyp and it doesn't exist and it exists until you look at it, in which case it turns into cancer and kills you. Yes, I'm also thinking like uh, like uh, okay. Hold uh, on, with, hold with... on. I want everybody to take just just understand. Damien, <laughs> at least at one point, was a college dropout who barely made it through high school and had to join the army. And that's one of the smartest jokes I've ever heard in my life. That's a fucking brilliant <laughs> ass joke, Damien. <laughs> Schrodinger's rectal cancer. This is what <laughs> this podcast can do to you. It can take somebody who's been described as legally mentally unable to function and create somebody who wrote one of the smartest jokes I've ever heard in my life. You sound like a football coach trying to write me an excuse for getting out of class. <laughs> yeah, by the way, I've graduated. I'm now a Rick and Morty writer. I write like I find a way to make uh, science dick jokes, but like uh, for Comedy Central or Cartoon Network. You know, and, and in colonoscopies, like I said, they can go in there and then cut stuff out. A sigmoidoscopy is something where they're going in and they're only going on the left side of the colon. And that is much shorter. It's a much shorter procedure. Oftentimes, less to no anesthesia is needed for a sigmoidoscopy. So it's it's much less in depth. But colonoscopies are the preferred method, at least in the United States. It has just kind of become the what we do, what we prescribe for, for men of a certain age. And they were recommended essentially universally to men over the age of 40 to constantly screen for and look for colon cancer. Now, what this study does is it actually looks at a big group of men, half of which were referred to get colonoscopies and half of which were not to look over time in terms of what's the difference in cancer death rates, in detecting cancer, in getting late stage cancer, all of that kind of stuff. Now, there are some limitations to the study. The first being that about half of the people who were referred to a colonoscopy didn't get one. But you have to understand that the, the study is looking at how effective it is to refer someone to a colonoscopy, not necessarily just how effective a colonoscopy is. In other words, if you're an attending physician and you see somebody, should you tell them to go get a colonoscopy? And based on whether you say go get a colonoscopy or you don't say anything, is there a difference in overall mortality in those people? So even though only about half of the people in the study actually went out and got the colonoscopy, because what they were looking at was the reference itself, that still fell into the parameters of the study. So right now, right, so right now you haven't said anything that has disqualified the uh, Schrodinger or the light wave, the, the poo wave experiment. I'm just setting up the, I'm setting the scene. I'm letting you see what's on the stage. So when they looked at it, they found that all persons who were invited to undergo colonoscopy screenings were compared with people who received the usual care, which was no invitation to screenings. The researchers presented the interim 10-year colorectal cancer risk, which was found to be 0.98% compared to 1.2%. This represents a risk reduction of 18% among colonoscopy invitees, which is enough. Like, that's that's substantial. That's, you know, one-fifth. That's, that's something to, to be note of. During the study period, 259 cases of colorectal cancer were diagnosed in the invited group for 622 in the impaired group. Like 
like for like certain words, like like for certain words, uh, like can I be like your your like uh, like like I'm gonna get my big brother on you word. Yes, and then you're gonna go home and, and get, get Damien, and then Damien, and you say colorectal. Then I can uh, I can juggle and say colorectal cancer. There you go that's all day it. long. <laughs> I can also say dwarf, but that's so the risk. I don't, of- mean, I don't mean to brag, but. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like you do. So the risk of death <laughs> for colorectal cancer group was 0.28% in the invited group and 0.31% in the usual care group. The risk of death from any cause was similar in both the invited and usual care group. So you might say, why is it that that says it's not effective? It says that it represents a, a risk reduction of 18%. That's a lot. Yeah, but you know what that number is the same as? A sigmoidoscopy. So what they're saying is this much more invasive procedure, a colonoscopy, the results, when you actually break it down and look at it objectively in terms of like an experimental design, half these people get referred, half of these people do not. The results of the people who did get referred over to the colonoscopy are no better than a sigmoidoscopy. And one of those can be fucking general anesthesia and basically a major procedure. And the other is something it's like not pleasant, but it's pretty much an in-office, in-and-out, not a big deal. And here is the thing that makes this less surprising. Something like 95 to 98% of potential cancers discovered in colonoscopies are discovered on the left side of the colon where the sigmoidoscopy is. In other words, there's almost nothing going on on the other side, the right side, and yet we are putting people down and giving them major procedures to go investigate something that has absolutely no difference in their mortality. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's like one of those things where, like, like uh, uh, the British military doesn't really get anything out of Northern Ireland. It's actually a huge drain, but it does. It is a great exercise to train their troops, and I think maybe just putting these people through this unnecessary colon procedure is the way you get the top-notch proctologists. Well, oh, I thought you meant that's how we get like good crotchety old dudes. Like we just they need to get <laughs> these these old dudes today. They're not getting enough punishment. That's the problem. I will say that, like, I have so much faith in this younger generation. I'm going to say that, like, at the end of this younger generation's life, they're going to, like, we're going to see a reduction on a graph of crotchetiness, like, across <laughs> the board. By the way, I love that, you know, this incredibly invasive anal procedure and, like, how excessive it was. Yeah. Like, looking back, it really was the most homophobic generation that experienced the most of this anal. Like, the the generation that's true. Like, much cooler with gay stuff. That Because the, one of the biggest, like, killers, I think, of, uh, of uh, men refuse to get diagnosed for a lot of prostate cancers. Sure. Like, basically, the, the homophobic cancers. <laughs> in the, uh, in the, and homophobic in the way that the way you would screen for them. And I will say this, just because we're saying men a lot, but and men do tend to have more colon cancers. Women get them too, and women get colonoscopies too. And so this is, you know, this this is obviously an issue where it is there is more towards the men's side, but this is an everyone issue. And and what's crazy about this is I saw some of the pushback, like some of the scientific pushback, and nobody attacked their numbers. Like there is some legitimate claims to be made. One, we're looking at a 10-year update. A lot of times colorectal cancers, you're talking maybe 15 years, 20 years. So there's some that may sprout up later on that's going to change these numbers or skew them but frankly it looked to me like a lot of people being like we've been doing it this way a long fucking time and it's like yeah you've been doing it wrong you fucking idiots and by the way this isn't a harmless procedure we've talked before anytime you put anyone in general anesthesia you have the possibility of death that is a percentage possibility there is x number of people who will die from anesthesia during colonoscopies and not even only general even things like twilight anesthesia can cause issues and problems that lead to fatalities 
I was getting when I was getting my uh, my Homer Simpson tattoo uh, a while back. I was talking to my tattoo artist because he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna put my son under general anesthesia uh, for like some minor thing, like some like a relatively minor like thing that like right. you know goes in." And I was like, "Hey, just you know, we do the science show, and uh, and like uh, you know, we do this thing. And one of the things we talked about, in fact, like you know, our co-host is actually a dad, and it's one of the, you know he's." always worrying and like, but one of the things that really set him off was, you know, just, you know, anesthesia, especially on children, you know, like yeah. anesthesia effect, yeah, has a negative effect on adults. Yeah. It's not good for the adult brain, yeah. but we do it as a necessary evil. But if you can just avoid it with the kids, he took to that information. If the, 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 their, it was, it was like, yeah, he took my, just, Hey man, uh, just be careful with anesthesia. Like warning my neighborly, like, Hey, don't, don't be, don't be afraid to, to, uh, put chains on your tires in the snow this yeah. winter. Uh, he was like, it was the tone of the, of the session changed. It went from like talking about stuff to like, okay, shut up, Mr. Science. You've ruined <laughs> things. First of all, I give my kids like three or four unnecessary surgeries a year <laughs> because they're fucking annoying. And sometimes they just need to be out of order for a while. Sometimes they need to be, it needs to be harder for them to get off the couch. So they don't bother me so much. What am I supposed to do? Not parent them? Like, uh, by the way, this is the guy who, like, uh, who had hentai everywhere. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, listen, let them look at the hentai? Like, of course I have to sedate them. Like, legally, CBS could come in. <laughs> oh, and by the way, that's not the only risk. It doesn't come from, from just the anesthesia part. There are actually numerous risks for colonoscopy. Not just the thing that is not just a risk. It's going to happen, which is pain and discomfort. Long after you wake up from the session, long after the anesthesia wears, wears off, you're in pain and discomfort. And I want to reiterate totally needlessly because we could have done at least the difference between a sigmoidoscopy and a colonoscopy. Everything after that seems to be totally needless. Not only is the anesthesia there, not only do we have the pain and discomfort, not only do we have bleeding, which can occur, there are also instances of the camera causing perforations, which is an immediate emergency surgery or death. These are all real risks for a non-real benefit. And it's fucking crazy so you might be saying how is this possible have we been doing this for 50 years more than 50 it seems like from the 1950s have we been doing this for like 70 years when this was not a realistic thing to do we could have been doing sigmoidoscopies this whole time they're easier they're cheaper they're less anesthesia less medical personnel less training blah 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 and they realized that the, the authors note and this is a quote from the article that Cohort studies probably overestimate the real-world effectiveness of colonoscopy because of the inability to adjust for important factors, such as an incomplete adherence to testing and the tendency of healthier persons to seek preventative care. So basically, the numbers seem to skew because, you know, healthy people are going to go out and uh, seek and look for that care and stuff, and then they get the colonoscopies, and it shall, turns out that they're okay. Well, a healthy person is more likely to go out and get that. So because of all of those factors, colonoscopies look like they do a lot on paper, and certainly they do prevent cancers, but no more prevention than we see from the much less invasive, much less problematic, much less dangerous sigmoidoscopy, which, by the way, people are more likely to sign up to get and therefore more likely to actually utilize and catch that cancer. Is this one of those things where like doctors are incentivized to, to, to do the more costly procedure because it's, it, it, it's, it just financially incentivizes them. 
I don't I don't necessarily adhere to like that is why doctors do most things. There are certainly like entire classes of doctors who do do a lot of colonoscopies who if tomorrow couldn't would switch to sigmoidoscopies. My point is I don't think that's going to make a big difference in their day to day life. I don't think it's making a big difference in their paycheck. I, I think they will be fine. I think this is just one of those things. You got taught it in medical school. You have seen the numbers that you think are right, because, again, I, I've said this before. Most physicians do not have a background in research design and, and research statistics and cannot look at those numbers and tell you what they actually mean. So they might see a glancing thing and see, oh, look, you know, colonoscopy saves 18 percent of people, not realizing that so does sigmoidoscopy. So I, I think it's just more of like an entrenched culture uh, that takes a while to move. Well, I mean, continuing education is hard. Uh, I mean, in, in your field, especially when you are busy, like let's say I'm a busy uh, a type A personality doctor working. Oh, I have to set aside time to go back to school to learn that everything I learned was, you know, it, 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 it seems inefficient, I think. And I, th I could see that type of mind being resistant to, to new information. I mean, yes, absolutely. And, and very much so with doctors. Again, we don't give doctors enough continuing education. There's not a lot of science training, not nearly enough that goes into them, especially older doctors. They're very set in their ways and they frankly just haven't been told to shut the fuck up enough. There's a lot of that that goes on, but we have to see that this is like, this isn't a once off thing. We covered a few years ago, and this is now somewhat common knowledge in the medical field that on average, if you're getting giving mammograms regularly to older women, you're probably doing more harm uh, than good. Which I am. <laughs> <laughs> and still, you will still see, you know, physicians regularly recommending these women get mammograms, even though we have now proved conclusively that most of the time it's going to be giving kind of a false positive on the cancer. And there's actually usually more problems it causes than it actually solves. And you find those cancers very shortly thereafter without the mammogram and can get to those cancer, the real ones anyway, but you get a lot of false positives with the mammograms and end up, they ended up actually doing a lot of bad and now they don't recommend them to women over a certain age. I, I, I like doing it because uh, it just caused a lot of discomfort to older women. It wasn't like a sexual thing. It was <laughs> like, oh, I get to press your breast between glass yeah. until like to the point of like uh, of discomfort. All right, article number two. Did we just discover a two-day early warning notice for earthquakes? I don't know. Did we? Is, is it something like, like, oh, my dog, my, my bum knee? Is it, is it my bum knee? Is yes. it my bum knee? That yeah, there's me? an old man in Kentucky, and uh, when he tries to yell at a group of uh, people of color but can't remember the racial slur for a few seconds, he knows it's going to rain or an earthquake. It's unfortunate, though, he lives in Kentucky, so far outside of the Ring of Fire, yes. where most earthquakes <laughs> Yeah, it's true. And, frankly, we're far away from minorities, so we wouldn't know even if they were going to happen. That's <laughs> why he's so afraid of people coming across the border. That's why he wants that wall built, to prevent all the earthquakes. So this is an awesome study. It used... 14 years of data collection, specifically magnetometer readings from devices placed all along California fault lines from 2005 to 2019 to measure local variations in the Earth's magnetic field. In my own way, I was actually part of this study. Uh, I'll get to that in a little bit. So uh, this idea has been around for a while. 
And it's, you know, if you imagine the Earth has a magnetic field, large tectonic shifts underneath the Earth precede those earthquakes as those plates are rubbing and pushing against each other. And the idea is such massive forces moving in that in those ways, in those unusual ways, will kind of cause changes in the magnetic field that could theoretically be measured. Now, this was a somewhat hypothetical idea. It was noticed, you know, a, a while ago before a major earthquake, some people reported a couple of like blips in the magnetic field and stuff. And so they were thinking like... I, I wonder if this would be a tool that we could actually like measure this by. Like that would be pretty cool. Uh, if you had a warning system for earthquakes, you could save a lot of lives and a lot of money and a lot of stuff. And so the problem has always been that we didn't have enough data and we weren't able to eliminate loud background noise. That includes everything from solar energy differentials to rush hour traffic. Because again, we're talking about small blips in the Earth's magnetic field, which is already an incredibly weak force that can be very, very hard to detect if you have other stuff around you. That's why a compass won't work inside of a metal car. Or frankly, if you just have a piece of metal near it, it won't work. You have to be out, you know, where you, it doesn't have any interference. That's why I do all of my pathfinding naked. <laughs> I don't want my metal buttons. <laughs> my feet hurt so much. Oh God, why did I wear shoes? So they got a huge sample of information by placing these 125 magnetometers around for 14 years, measuring 19 magnitude 4.5 quakes or higher. They had 330,000 sight days of data, because remember, you have multiple things going every day. And then they processed all of that information with a modern AI. And after filtering out on the noise, they were able to recognize a faint but statistically significant signal in the radio wave emissions 24 to 72 hours before many of the large quakes. How fucking cool is that? They found an earthquake signal. I mean, what do we do with it? Because, I mean, when an earth, I mean, do we know where it's going to happen? Like an earthquake is going to happen like somewhere on the planet? No, no, no. It happens at the magnetometer line. So the, the, I say I was involved in this. I was. I actually did. I didn't know it was for this particular thing, but I, I did some of the clearances for the magnetometers that were placed in Imperial County and Anza Borrego. No, we don't need an archaeologist. Stop coming here. We got, This is a place for real scientists. Get the hell out of here. Go with the homeopathies. Wait, they literally called me and said, we need an archaeologist. Come out here. Clear this area. We want to put a magnetometer on. But that was part of a mean prank. Like when a pretty girl at school goes up to the nerd and says, wow, Robert Timothy, you're so cool. I was part of a science pig dance. Is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, one of the scientists basically made a bet and said that he could turn you in, by the next uh, science debutante ball, he could turn you into a real scientist. And actually it involved putting your hair into a ponytail and putting glasses on you. <laughs> Scientific papers for schmucks. Oh, dear. <laughs> I was going, she's all that. He reversed, she's all that at you. Now... Basically, they were able to see this perturbance, the signaled in it. Now, it didn't precede every single earthquake, so it's not like we say we would have 100% of an earthquake warning, but we could have a earthquake warning for some earthquakes, and if we got better at it, maybe that earthquake warning gets better and better and better until we're good at, like, 95. We have nothing. We have zero. It is Your earthquake warning is your, your spouse yelling from the kitchen, something shaking, I think we're having an earthquake. That is the closest we have to an early earthquake warning system. So even if it worked 15% of the time, it would be great. So, okay, so the early warning system then goes to the guy in Kentucky. The guy in Kentucky then calls. Yes. He has to Google image my, a thing that says minorities hanging out. 
he looks at it. He sees if he can immediately come up with a racial slur that would apply to the minorities that he's <laughs> seeing. If he can't, it's a good earthquake. If he does, then it might be an earthquake or that it, it might still be an earthquake. But this time the earthquake is racist, too. It's interesting. Yeah. Like, that's actually why there's so many Jordan Peele movies playing at the theater right there, mm -hmm. because it's inviting the old man yes. to go see. Uh... That's right. <laughs> I, 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 fuck, uh... All right. Well, super, super cool news. I am so excited about this. Uh, I think it's one of some absolute awesome news. I'm excited to bring you guys. So I hope you guys got just as excited learning about why colonoscopies might be total bullshit and why we might soon have an early earthquake warning system. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 632. If you're going to get rid of full colonoscopies, Bobby, then how is the Guinness Book of World Records going to track world's longest bowel anymore? You've been listening to Science Faction. Wait, that's not right. Mm -hmm.